Thank you. If you have your copy of the Word of God, I want to encourage you to open with us to the book of Numbers. Numbers is in the Old Testament, first part of the Bible. You have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then you'll come to the book of Numbers. Chapter number 6, verse 22 in the book of Numbers. I want to speak to you today on the subject, what does it mean to be blessed? Uh, Number six, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, the Scripture will be on the screen here momentarily. So what does it mean to be blessed? We hear that word blessed. We see that word blessed quite a bit. When we say to somebody, have a blessed day, what does that mean? (laughs) When we see all over social media, hashtag blessed, what does that mean? When we wear that t-shirt, I'm blessed, y'all. Or if you're from Mississippi, the Mississippi version, I'm plum blessed, y'all. I can say that because I are from Mississippi. Or when we say, bless my stars, I still don't know what that means. I have no idea what that means. Or when we depart company, we might say, God bless. Or if someone sneezes, what, what might we say? Well, we used to do that. We don't do that anymore. You sneeze right now in this COVID-19 era, you're not going to get a bless you. You're going to get a curse you right? I'm waiting for somebody to sneeze. Wait for it. Wait for it. No. Ah, bless you. Bless you, sir. Bless you, man. What does it mean to be blessed? So what I did this week is I sent you a question. I text a question out to you. And by the way, if you want to be a part of this slick text platform that we have, because I don't do it every week, but occasionally I'll send out some kind of question in relation to the upcoming message, or maybe an update, or maybe a video or something I'll send out. If you want to be a part of that, all you have to do is text the word BRIDGE, B-R-I-D-G-E, to the short code 79969. If you've already done that, you're set up, don't worry about it. And that's all you have to do, you'll automatically be signed up. So here's what I sent out this week. Here's the question. How would you define what it means to be blessed? How would you define that? And so the sheer variety of your answers kind of answered the question. We look at it from different perspectives and maybe have different ideas of what it means to be blessed. So I want to share some of those with you. What does it mean to be blessed? A number of people in some way or the other, none were exactly the same, but some way or another may have said receiving God's favor or feeling uh, God's presence comforting me or getting what you don't deserve like being loved more than you deserve, being a child of God, serving someone with no strings attached. What does it mean to be blessed? Someone said being saved and these two puppies. I don't know that. Maybe a blessing to some of us and some of us not so much. But others that came in, knowing your family loves the Lord. What a blessing that is to know that your family loves the Lord. Or how about this one? Knowing I'm forgiven or being content with little or much. To be loved is to be blessed. This undeserved kindness and mercy and grace. To live with the peace of God. To live with the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. Having our basic needs met. And then someone sent this in. What does it mean to be blessed? Name it and claim it. New mansion and luxury car with an airbrush license plate with blessed written in cursive. I didn't know Joel Osteen was a part of our Slick Text platform, but... Apparently he signed up. I'm, I'm sort of joking. Okay. Numbers chapter 6. 
What does it mean to be blessed? Here's the good news, church. We don't have to guess at what it means to be blessed. Because God tells us exactly what that means to be blessed. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 through verse 27. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right, I'm going to read starting in verse 22. So follow along here with me, church, if you would. Verse 22, again, the scripture, there it is. It's on the screen. Here we go. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying... Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless you them. Gracious Father, we're so thankful that today you've made it clear what it means to be blessed in number 6, 22 through 27. And Father, we pray for the reading of your word, the, the receiving of your word, the response to your word. May it be honoring to you. And we ask it in Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen. Five descriptions I want to lay out for us from these verses on what does it mean to be blessed. So here's description number one. Jesus blesses us by mediating for us. Okay? Jesus blesses us by mediating for us. The Lord spoke to Moses. Now, for God's word to get to God's people, it had to go through a little process here. It had to... The Lord spoke to Moses, and Moses spoke to Aaron, and Aaron spoke to the people. Y'all following that? Y'all see that? The Lord to Moses, Moses to Aaron, Aaron to the people. Uh, Two of my favorite passages in all the Bible are found in Numbers. Numbers 6, 22 through 27. Really love this text. The second one is is Numbers 21, verse 4 through 9. It's It's the bronze serpent passage where Moses lifts up the bronze serpent on a pole and any of the Israelites who have been bitten by those poisonous serpents, if they look to the bronze serpent, they will live. It's a foreshadowing of the cross of Christ. So in number 6, the Lord is blessing his people. In Numbers 21, it's a foreshadowing of, of God cursing his only begotten son in order to bless his people. I love those two passages. And in number 6, when we arrive here at number 6, here's what's happening with God's people. They are at the foot of Mount Sinai. They've been there now for over a year. They've received the Ten Commandments. They left Egypt about a year beforehand. Okay? So they've left Egypt. They're camping at the Mount, of, at Mount Sinai, at the foot of the mountain. They've received the Ten Commandments. They built the tabernacle, and all the clans and tribes are camping north, south, east, west, all around the ta- tabernacle. And that's where we find ourselves in this text. Now, something interesting happens in chapter 1. There's a little phrase that's used over and over again in Numbers chapter 1, and it's this phrase. Listen to this. All who were able... To go to war. All who were able to go to war. All who were able 
to go to war. Each time God divided up clans, he would say 59,300 from the tribe of Simeon, all who were able to go to war. So what's happening? God is preparing his people to enter the promised land and do battle and take the land. But we know something happens between number six and that. They, they wander around in the wilderness for 40 years, right? Because they just disobey God. And so they're wandering about. And I'm sure Moses had it up to here with these folks, right? Don't you imagine Moses had his field? They're grumbling and complaining against Moses. You take too long upon Mount Sinai to bring us the Ten Commandments. Now you brought us out here into this wilderness to die. We want to go back to Egypt and complain and grumble and grumble and complain. I tell you, one pastor said it like this. Moses proves that you can be fed up with people and not be a cannibal. (laughs) He had to be fed up with them. He had to be. And here we find the Lord speaking to Moses to speak to Aaron to speak to the people. And notice what God says. Now, what God should have said is, you shall curse the people. Because that's what we deserve, church. We deserve curses. We deserve to be cursed. Yet Jesus became a curse for us. He's our mediator. (laughs) He became it for us. And so in this incredible priestly blessing it's known as, or the Aaronic blessing it's known as, we see the heart of our God. We see the heart and the desires of our Lord that no one should perish, but all come to repentance. And here's how God says it in number six. He said, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I want you to notice how many times the word spoke or saying is used in these first two verses. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his son saying, thus you shall bless me, you shall say to them five times. God is speaking. Hey, God is always speaking. Amen, church? God is never not speaking. If you want to hear God speak, read the Bible. If you want to hear God speak out loud, read the Bible out loud. He's speaking always. He's saying always. Five times he says this. So what God says goes. In other words, God expected Moses to say what God said. God expected Aaron to say what God says. God expects pastors to say what God says. God expects his people to say what God says. So the theological term here for this is sola scriptura, scripture alone, which means don't add to it. And then the other side of that is tota scriptura, which means scripture totally, completely, and holy. In other words, don't subtract from it. Don't add to it. Sola Scriptura, don't subtract from it. Tota Scriptura. In other words, God expects what He says to be said. So this is a word from God. This isn't a word from Moses or Aaron. This is a word from God Almighty Himself. And the Lord is speaking to them to speak to the people. And this just blows my mind here. It doesn't say, thus you shall curse the people of Israel but you shall bless them. Two things here. Notice it's blessing and not curse. Praise God for that. God loves to bless his people. He loves that. Secondly, notice it doesn't say, you shall bless the people of the planet. It doesn't say you shall bless the people of the world. 
says, you shall bless the people of Israel, his people. Now, we know for all those in Christ, I don't care if you're black, white, yellow, red. I don't care if you're from this continent or that continent, from this language or this nation or this tongue or this tribe. If you're in Christ, you are under the blessing of Almighty God on this side of the cross and on this side of grace, obviously. Thus, you shall bless the people of Israel. You know, God loves to bless his people. What, do, you, do you recall in Genesis chapter 1, this is before sin, before the fall, God made man in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female, he created them. And do you know the first thing God did after he created man? What's the first thing God did in the presence of man? It says this, and he blessed them. The first thing God did in the presence of Adam and Eve was bless them. What's the last thing God did in the presence of man? The last thing Jesus did as he was ascending to the Father. What's the last thing he did? The Bible tells us in Luke 24, then he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. Listen to this. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. The first thing God did in the presence of man was bless them. The last thing God did in the presence of man was bless them. God loves to bless his people. Church, he loves to bless you. He loves it. Now, in Moses' day, God spoke to his people through the prophets in different times and different ways. But in these last days... He speaks to us by what? His son, Jesus. He's the mediator. It doesn't go from the Yahweh to Moses to Aaron, Aaron being the great high priest or the high priest rather during uh, that time. It doesn't go through Aaron and his sons. Now it goes through one. It doesn't have to go through two anymore. It doesn't have to go to Moses and Aaron and then to us. It goes through one. There's one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. He is our mediator. And he mediates for us immediately right now at the right hand of God. He's doing it right now. He's mediating for you and for me. In other words, here's the glorious truth. God the Father cannot... He cannot send anyone to hell who belongs to God the Son. He can't. If you belong to God the Son, God the Father cannot send you to hell. He can't do it. Why? Because God the Son is the mediator between God and man. Think of it like this. Steve Winger was writing about his last exam in college. It was a logic class. And the professor told them on this final exam, he said, look, you can take that logic textbook and you can write every bit of information that you can fit on an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper front and back. You write anything and everything you want on that piece of paper and you bring it to class and I'll let you use it during the exam. I mean, the students were excited about that. So, I mean, most all of the students took that piece of paper, started writing as small as they could write, get all that information from that logic textbook onto that paper to help them in the exam. But one student walked into class. He had a blank sheet of paper, not one letter written on it. You couldn't find a a, a spot of ink on that paper. And he put that blank sheet of paper on the floor right next to his desk. And he had an advanced graduate 
logic student come and stand on that piece of paper. (laughs) And every question on that test, that advanced graduate logic student answered it. He's the only one who made an A in the whole class. Why? Because he had a mediator between him and the professor. Hey, there's a final exam, church. There is a final exam we're going to take one day when we stand before a holy God. And I don't know how he'll ask it, but in some way, why should I let you into heaven? Or, and, and let me tell you if, you, if your answer starts with the personal pronoun I, you have failed already. It can only start with Jesus. Why should I let Jesus? He's my mediator. He's my advocate. He's my savior. He's my redeemer. Jesus. Jesus came to save my soul and and, and, and he has drawn me to himself. And I've put my trust in Jesus and him alone. He is our mediator. This, This is how we're blessed. This is what it means to be blessed. Jesus is mediating for us. Here's the second description we see of what does it mean to be blessed. Jesus blesses us by coming down to us. He comes down. to We don't have to work our way up to God. God comes down to us in the person of Jesus. He's already come down. Amen? He came down to us. We don't have to go up to Him. In other words, God is in the blessing business, not the cursing business, the blessing business. And it's individual. It's intimate. It's personal. Uh, Picture this scene, number six. There's two million Jews. Two million at the foot of Mount Sinai. Aaron is talking to two million people. And he says to them, the Lord bless you. That you is not plural. That you is singular. It's used six times. And every time it's singular. Why? Because the blessing is for every individual, for every man, for every woman, for every family. It's a blessing on your family and your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. And it's, it's, it's to every single solitary person. The Lord bless you. But here's what we do. Here's what we do. Here's what I do. Here's what you do. We miss our own blessings because we're coveting everybody else's blessings. We're not counting our own because we're coveting everybody else's. I've heard, I've heard it said like this. Don't let your ice cream melt while you're counting somebody else's sprinkles. That's what we're doing. You're counting everybody else's blessings. You're missing your own blessings. This is for you and for your family. That The Lord Jesus himself has come down to you. In fact, I want you to see how it's laid out here. The Lord, three times we read the Lord. The Lord himself is the source of the blessing. Now, I'm going to get a little nerdy on you here. Anybody like numbers? Anybody in here like digits, numbers? All right, a few. This is very nerdy, Okay. I'm just going to tell you on the front end. But if you look at this in the Hebrew language, and you look at these three lines, all beginning with Yahweh, 
uh, verse number 24, 25, 26. It's, it's, it's poetic. It's Hebrew poetry. And it's written in such a way where verse 24 in the Hebrew has three words. Somebody say three. Verse number 25 in Hebrew has five words. Somebody say five. All right, verse 26 in Hebrew has seven words. Somebody say seven. So each verse increases two words. You see that? And then from a uh, consonant perspective, there in the Hebrew, there's 15 consonants in verse 24. There's 20 consonants in verse 25. There's 25 consonants in verse 26. It increases by five. Syllables are the same way. There's 12 syllables in verse 24, 14 in 25, 16 in 26. They increase by two. Now, why am I in that nerdy? Why am I sharing that with you? Here's why. Because our God is always, always working, growing, increasing, doing something. Always. His reach is always going and growing. And more and more people are hearing the name of Jesus. His popularity, his fame is always growing. As, as, in fact, the Bible says that the end will not come until this gospel is preached under, as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So this gospel message is always growing. The church is always growing. The disciples are always growing. God's always doing something. I don't care if, what your circumstance says to you. If you're in the worst season of your life or the best season of your life, I don't care what your circumstances tell you. God is always working. It says the Lord bless you and keep you in verse 24. Now the word bless means to kneel, to bend the knee, to take a knee. So the Lord here is bending down to us in order to benefit us that's the picture we see here the Lord bless you the Lord bend down to you to to benefit you and don't forget about the Lord's benefits his mercy grace faithfulness forgiveness adoption redemption don't forget about the Lord's benefits as he bends down to benefit us and then it says the Lord keep you Jude tells us we are kept in Jesus Christ no one can pluck us out of his Father's hand. And God is speaking to each one individually. God cares. God knows. God sees individually, personally, and intimately. C.S. Lewis said it like this. The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. Yes, Lord. And then we see something fascinating in these three Verse 24, 25, 26. See, they all begin with Yahweh three times. It points us to the Trinity. In verse 24, we see God the Father blessing us and keeping us. No one can pluck us out of his hand. In verse 25, we see God the Son. He's being gracious to us. In verse 26, we see God the Holy Spirit, that his peace is with us and he is with us. The Trinity. If you look at the New Testament version, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. In 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14 reads this way, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, three in one, be with you all. The Trinity. That this God has come down to us and he mediates for us. You know, on 
July 16, 1945, at 5.30 a.m., there was this blinding flash shooting across the sky, awakening this sleepy village in New Mexico. And two minutes later, there was this deafening roar as the first atomic bomb was dropped. About a month later, August the 6th, President Harry Truman announced to the nation that an atomic bomb had been dropped on the Japanese city of Hiroshima. And he said, we have spent $2 billion on the greatest scientific gamble in history and won. Hiroshima was almost completely destroyed. 70,000 people died instantly, thousands more in the following weeks. Oddly enough, do you know that the name of this atomic bomb project was called Trinity? That was the name of it, Trinity. Now, when I think of the triune God, when I think of the, from a Christian biblical perspective, I think of the Trinity. I, I don't think of, of the destruction and uh, the, the sheer uh, devastation of an atomic bomb when I think about Jesus coming down to us, I don't think about him coming down to us like an atomic bomb. Jesus did not come full of wrath and judgment. Jesus came full of grace and truth. Now, could he come full of judgment? Oh, yes, and he will. He's coming to judge the second time. And it will be worse than any atomic bomb any creature could ever create. But Jesus has come full of grace. He has come down to us now full of grace and truth. In this age of grace, not to blow us away, but to bless us. Man, here's a third description right here. Jesus blesses us by moving toward us. Verse 25, the picture here is uh, of Jesus moving toward us. That's what grace is. You want a definition of grace? Here's a definition of grace. A holy God... Moving toward unholy people. That's what grace is. Grace doesn't just dismiss the wrong or grace doesn't ignore the wrong. Grace doesn't pretend like the wrong didn't happen. Grace in the midst of the wrong moves toward the wrongdoer, not away from the wrongdoer. That's grace. Jesus blesses by moving toward us. I tell you, if Tanya ever could, if she ever could lose her salvation it will be because she put it in her purse I'm going to tell you but we can't lose our salvation can we no we can't John MacArthur said if you could lose your salvation you would lose your salvation you, you can't lose it James Boyce said it like this if Nicodemus is an example of the truth that no one can rise so high as to be above salvation then the woman at the well is an example of the truth that none can sink too low below salvation. And guess what? <laughs> the Lord Jesus moved toward both Nicodemus and the woman at the well. He moved toward both. Side by side in John 3 and John 4. You can read about it. He moved toward both of them. He made his face shine upon both of them. And when I read that, his face shining upon us. I don't know what you think about, but I think about in that moment when the warmth of the sun hits you just right and you're kind of chilly and the warmth of the sun just hits you. Uh, that light that brings uh, warmth to you and the beauty of it and the joy of it. 
That's why when God turns his face toward us and makes his face shine upon us, not his back to us, he's not turning away from us, moving away from us. He's turning toward us, moving toward us. That's grace. He is gracious to us. His face is shining upon us. And praise God, it doesn't read God's face, uh, the Lord bless you and make his face shine upon you unless the CDC says we have to social distance. I mean, praise God for that. Praise God there's not some restrictions. As long as his face isn't masked up with a, with a surgical mask, he can move. To, praise God for that. It's his, he's moving toward regardless of whenever we are or wherever we are, he is moving toward us. Amen, church? That, that's incredible. And, and, and here's how he said it to Nicodemus. I remember Nicodemus was the religious of the religious. I'm talking about the elite of the elite from a religion perspective. And here's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. And Jesus was talking about a spiritual birth, not a physical birth. If you're in here today, if you're watching online, obviously you've been born physically. That's not the question. The question is, have you been born spiritually? Listen, you were born to be born again. Not physically, but spiritually. And then Jesus uses this illustration that would have spoken to the heart of Nicodemus. And he uses Moses from Numbers 21. This is what he said. Just as Moses lifted up, Uh, that serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And Nicodemus would have got that. He would have understood that immediately. Oh, he's talking about this bronze serpent in the wilderness. And yes, if Jesus desires none to perish, but that all should come to repentance. And anyone and everyone who believes in and on him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is Jesus moving toward us, not away from us. I'm not talking about being a church member. I'm not talking about being baptized. I'm talking about entering into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you done that? Have you made that decision? It's an individual, personal decision. Your grandparents can't make it for it. Your grandchildren can't make it for it. Your mom and daddy can't make it for it. You've got to personally make that decision to put your trust in Jesus as he moves toward you. Here's the fourth description. Don't miss this one. Jesus blesses us by being with us. He blesses us by being with us. Verse number 26. Patriots head coach Bill Belichick was asked a question this week about his team practicing. They asked him about his team practicing in the rain. And as only coach... Bill Belichick can. He answered it in a very enlightening manner. Okay? Here's what he said. Again, he's being asked about his team practicing in the rain. Here's what Coach said. If it rains, it rains. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If it's hot, it's hot. If it's not, then that's what it is. He he didn't go all Dr. Seuss on them, but he went Dr. Seuss on them a little bit. What's Coach saying? Here's, Here's what we need to understand. Some of us 
if you look at your circumstances and the season you're in right now, it's pretty gloomy, it's pretty rainy, it's pretty dreary. Maybe not a great season of life right now. Maybe not the best season of your life. For others of us, it may be a better season. Maybe the best season of your life. The seasons and the circumstances do not determine if God is with you. They have no, no bearing at all on whether or not God is with you. God is, if you're in Christ, God is with you. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus alone, he has sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit resides. The moment you're saved, the Holy Spirit indwells a believer. And he's with you from that point to the time you go to heaven, and you're with him. So he's with you until you go to be with him. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Regardless of your circumstances, he is with you. And we see this here as he says it this way in verse 26, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Lift up. Now, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh, from a, a physics perspective or a scientific perspective. How can God the Father lift up his countenance upon us if we are below him and he is above us? And clearly the Bible says that every good gift comes from above. That th- fix your mind and, and thoughts on the things above, that God the Father is above us and we are under him. So how in the world is God the Father lifting up his countenance upon us if we're under him? How does that happen? It doesn't make any sense scientifically. Well, this, think of it like this. As a child of God, if you are a child of God, This blessing was for the people of Israel. So in the New Testament, that would be those who have put their faith and trust in Christ alone. And the blessing would be for all those who are children of God. So if you're a child of God, think of it like this. Think of a father or a grandfather, okay, taking that little son or daughter and picking them up and throwing them in the air. You know what I'm talking about? You throw them up in the air, and you catch them, right? And as you throw them up, they throw up on you, right? And as you throw them up, and they're throwing up, you're smiling and grinning and catching them. Why? Because you love them that much, and your countenance is beaming because you love them that much. That's, that, that's what I see when I read this. God the Father taking each one of us and throwing us up. And we're throwing up all over him. I mean, our mess and sin is just all over him. And yet, he's beaming because he loves us that much. And his son, Jesus, died to take all that mess and sin away. So really, Jesus would be in between us and the Father. But that's the picture of how much God loves you and loves me. And he's with us, that he lifts his countenance upon us. In other words, the blessing, the promise of God's blessing is the presence of God. That's the blessing. It's God himself. He's the source of the blessing, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. He is the blessing. And it says that he will give you peace. Now, peace... Who doesn't want peace, right? I mean, who doesn't want peace with God and be it, and have the, the peace of God? Who does not want that? Who does not want peace in their marriage and peace in their home and peace with their family? Who does not want that? 
And God is blessing us by lifting up his countenance and giving us peace. And remember, peace is not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. Peace is not the absence of a virus. Peace is the presence of Jesus. That's what peace is. Peace is not the absence of fear. Peace is the presence of the founder and perfecter of our faith in the midst of the fear. Peace is not the absence of hardship. It's the presence of hope in the midst of the hardship. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. He said, in this world you will face trouble. But you don't have to be troubled. right? In the face of the trouble, you don't have to be troubled. That's peace. Because one who will overcome trouble is with us. And he's granted us this peace. Here's the last description. Last one, verse 27. Look at this. Jesus blesses us to be a blessing. Jesus blesses us to be a blessing. Warren Wiersbe said it like this. You're either a channel of blessing, meaning the blessing came to you because it's going to somebody else, or you're a reservoir of blessing, meaning you're just hoarding all the blessings to yourself. So which one are you? Are you being a blessing? Because you're blessed to be a blessing. And yet, the average Christian, listen to this, the average Christian has sung 20,000 hymns, listened to 4,000 sermons, and led no one to Jesus. That's not being a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. And here's how the word says it in Numbers 6, 27. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel. My name. Listen, God is not going to share his glory with any other God, with any other person, with any other thing. He's not going to do it. It's his name. It's the Lord's name. It's Yahweh. It's Jesus. He will put, they shall put my name upon the people, of it, not the people of the world, but my people. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will hear from them in heaven and I will heal their land. This, this is God, a relationship between God and his people through his son Jesus Christ. And he is the one who blesses us in order for us to be a blessing. And, and here's what God says at the end of this verse. I will bless them. Notice the order of what's primary and what's secondary. I is primary. Bless is secondary. In other words, God is the blessing. Yeah, he blesses us in, in, in a myriad of ways. But he is the blessing. Blessed is the nation whose God is the what? The Lord. Blessed is that nation whose God is the Lord. What does that mean? Here's what it means. Cursed is the nation whose God is not the Lord. That's what that means. I don't know if you realize this, but our nation, America, has 61,000 742, 61,742 places in our nation, destinations, locales, places that are named either after something or someone in the Bible. 61,000 plus. Meaning, hey, God has blessed America. 
in our past, he's blessed us. He's continued to bless us now, but, but church, but church, what happens to a nation when they forget the name of God? What happens to Jerusalem and Israel and Je- when, when they forgot the name of Yahweh and went after Baal? What happened? What, what is happening to, to the Jews now when they have forgotten the name Jesus? What will happen to our nation when we forget God's name, when we dismiss the name of Jesus, when we ignore Jesus? I'll tell you what happens. That nation will not be blessed. That nation will be cursed. So we're going to do our part this week. I know, well, what can we do about that? Well, we're going to do something about it this week. This week, you have an opportunity to be a blessing. And what we're going to do is we are going to pray. We're going to prayer walk through some schools in our county. Okay, We're actually going to prayer walk on Signal Mountain and uh, here in Red Bank and in Hickson. So we're going to pray at Hickson Middle and High School. We're going to pray at Middle Valley Elementary. We're going to pray at Red Bank Elementary, Red Bank Middle, Red Bank High. We're going to pray at Nolan and Thrasher on the mountain and Signal Mountain Middle and High. We're going to prayer walk through the schools on Monday and Tuesday evening. Now, some of them are happening at the same time. So my challenge and charge to you is to pick one. This is tomorrow evening and Tuesday evening. We've got permission to walk through those hallways and pray. We're going to pray this priestly blessing. We're going to pray the name of Jesus through these hallways. Over every locker, through the hallways, we're going to pray for gospel conversations to happen this year. We're going to pray for people to be saved this year. We're going to pray for the name of Jesus to be lifted high in these public, yes I said it, public schools. We're going to go and pray over these schools. Yes, Lord, yes. Yes, Lord. Now, what we need is you to commit to that. You say, well, where are the times and locations? Later today, that's going to be sent out to you. And don't worry about what you're going to pray because we have actually put together some prayer points to help you as you just walk through and you can look at it from your phone. We'll send it out on the slick text. So if you want to get that today, text the word bridge. If, you have not, if you've already done that, don't do it again. But if you haven't done it, text the word bridge to 79969. We're going to send that out. And so you'll have the locations and the times. We'll start at 530. Uh, and in some of them, and 6 o'clock in other ones, and maybe even 4.30, I think, at 1. And this is tomorrow and Tuesday. So there's different times, different opportunities for you to be a part. I'm challenging your church to be there. Just pick one of those locations. Tanya and I will be in Hickson, Middle and High, for sure. And some of our Signal Mountain folks, of course, will be on the mountain. So pick one and be there. Let's be a blessing, church. We're blessed, so let's be a blessing. So here's our takeaway. For the day. It reads like this. Jesus is the blessing that blesses us. Jesus is. Yes, Jesus blesses us. But he's the blessing. He's it. He's the one who blesses us. In the New Testament, you can read this priestly blessing all through the New Testament. Whenever you start reading a letter that Peter wrote or Paul wrote. And you come to the little phrase. Grace to you and peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time you read grace and peace in the greeting of that letter, that is this blessing. Same blessing, same God, same promise. It's this blessing. 
This isn't just an Old Testament blessing. God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he loves to bless you. And he's ready to bless you. But you have to approach him the way he calls us and commands us to approach him. Meaning Jesus is not a professional advisor to bless you in your financial portfolio. He is our personal advocate. So you approach him that way. Jesus is not a beginning to an end. He is the beginning and the end. He's not a run-of-the-mill counselor. He is the wonderful counselor. Jesus is not your doorman. And he's not a doormat. He is the door. Jesus is not a genie in a bottle. He is the one who gave his life as a ransom for many at Golgotha. Jesus is not a life coach. Hear me, church. He's not a life coach. He is the way and the truth and the... He's not an emoji or an anime or an emoji anime. He is the I am. Jesus is not a motivational speaker who lives in a van down by the river. He is the one mediator between God and man forever. That's who he is. Jesus is not another name among many names. He is the name above all names. He's not an American Olympic gold medalist. He is the beloved son of the omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent God. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is not or was not the just resurrected back to life. He is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is not some TED Talk dude. He's the one who makes the dead walk. Dude, that's who he is. He is the bread that feeds us, the counselor that comforts us. He's the word that washes us. He's the truth that sanctifies us. He's our redeemer. He's our deliverer. He's our savior. Father, thank you for this blessing. We're overcome by the blessing of Jesus.